0: Back to the beat. Bulls beat continues with Derek Sharp. lot of drama last night on Bulls Unlimited. A lot right before the final whistle and, well, some after the final whistle. We'll have highlights of the soccer team's gut-wrenching defeat. As I said on social media, you go from a tie to a loss. You only drop one point in the standings, so it's not the end of the world, but the Bulls are going to have to start winning some games to make the AAC tournament Tell you where they stand after a full Sunday night that included the top two teams in the league squaring off. And again, we'll get more into this in a couple of minutes. But basically, the Bulls' three losses midway through the conference slate, they're one and three, but the three losses happen to be against the three teams that are far and away at the top of the table. And now they play some of the teams that are towards the bottom. Well, where was the volleyball team going to be out of the weekend? We've been talking about it all year. It looks like the East is the weaker division. Doesn't look like it. It is. And the Bulls, somewhat, if you want to call it that, taking advantage, playing the East four times and going 3-1, and one, the only loss on the road at Memphis, and the other win, of course, against a West division team in Tulane. Now, two against the West, and UTSA was the opponent on Friday night, and the Bulls pulled off a sweep, a third straight sweep following the two against UAB last weekend. 25-16, 25-23, 25-16. The second set was the critical one because it could have gone either way, but the Bulls pulled it out and finished off the Roadrunners easily. They certainly were the better team dominating, and I mean dominating, in the kills category. 45 kills for the Bulls compared to just 20 for UTSA. Buse Hazan led the way, almost double more attempts than anyone else on the team, 40. For Her compared to 23 for Maria Clara Andraj Hazan, 18 kills. Andraj had more errors than kills, but Marta Svitkovic, eight kills, one error. Tizzy Pulis, seven kills, no errors. Nikki Kashatovay returned from injury and played well with four kills herself. Defensively, Maya Thomas, 17 digs. Maria Andraj herself had 11. Caroline Dykes, the setter, 36 assists and eight digs. And the Bulls, again, a third straight sweep. Got them to 11-6 and on the season, but that was brief. We told you how good Wichita State was, having won six of their last seven, mostly on the road, taking one at SMU, and they took down the Bulls. It was competitive, but a sweep nonetheless, 25-21, 25-16, 25-21. We told you on Friday's show that Wichita State is among the best teams Not in the conference, in the country, as far as defensive hitting percentage. So that whole dominating in the kills category, actually the Bulls and Wichita were even, 37 apiece. Problem is, Shockers only had 10 errors, the Bulls had more than twice that. As a team, they only hit 130, which Wichita State holds its opponents to 150. A lot of service errors, just not enough against a really good Wichita State team. East Carolina, meanwhile, took both of its home matches against West opponents, so the Bulls and the Pirates are tied atop the East Division, at five and two. East Carolina is 14 and four overall. Bulls are 11 and seven, and it's a drop down to three and three in the league for Temple, and everybody else is below 500 in conference. Over on the West side, Rice is seven and zero, SMU and Wichita six and one and again there is no conference tournament so it's it's the ultimate curiosity you have a league where it is unbalanced scheduling and the teams in the west have the tougher schedule but if one of the teams in the east and right now there's really only two candidates south florida and east carolina can rack up the wins on its side of things and maybe end up with a better overall record than whoever wins the west guess what you're still the conference champion and get the automatic bid The Bulls do play East Carolina twice at home. That's towards the end of the regular season, November 9th and November 10th. First, two matches that you think they got a pretty good chance to win this weekend, Friday night and Sunday afternoon, both against Charlotte. In fact, the Bulls' next three matches will all be at home. The two this weekend are at the Corral. Next Friday night will be at the Yingling Center, and that'll be it for matches at the YC this year with basketball getting going. Well, last night at Corbett Soccer Stadium, it was going to be as entertaining of a tie as you could have had. Still very entertaining, especially the second half, but not a good result. A 2-1 loss to a really good Charlotte 49ers team for men's soccer, which drops to 3-7 and seven on the season. First half, if we were going to replay the match, which honestly we probably won't since it was such a loss, but you'll hear highlights here, we weren't going to replay the first half. Uh, There was a dog there, and he got extricated from the facility because, well, he wouldn't stop doing what dogs sometimes do, which is bark. Although he would be peaceful for, you know, minute-long stretches, the goal that Charlotte scored, like me, he was not a fan of the foul call that led to it. Kirk calls for the free kick, and Marks comes out, and that is going to be a penalty. That is a close call, and Morales had a play on the ball. They can review it. Morales was not going to get to the ball first Horrocks came out and the trick here is is did he actually get the player and I think this is going to be a penalty kick in the end it was probably the right call it was a 50-50 situation absolutely the player who's outstanding on the other side did not get touched but at the same time the goalkeeper for the Bulls did not touch the ball and it could be ruled as, simply put, a slide tackle in the penalty box, and when you don't get the ball and you get maybe some of the player, they didn't review it, you're going to get the benefit of the call on the wrong side if you're the Bulls on the right side of your Charlotte, which took advantage with the penalty kick goal. So it was really an even first half, and Charlotte barely outshot the Bulls 6-5. to five. But there was some really entertaining play, The Bulls put on an aesthetically pleasing set of passes, but also in the midst of physicality. This game saw Charlotte get whistled for 21 fouls to 10 for the Bulls. So if you're thinking the calls all went against South Florida, no, that wasn't the case. But here's just an example of a real physical play that I think maybe set the tone for how the game turned a little nasty after the final whistle, which we'll get to in a little bit, but this was from the first half. That's a good bit of hustle there by Charlotte. And Frost got a little bit of Jabone Barclay's cleat. Now he's gonna run up his back. These two are battling each other right now. <laughs> and Barclay's saying something to him. Ooh, Barclay just spit right in front of him. Logan Frost, who's a grad from Birmingham. Are they gonna now look at the replay for a spit when they couldn't look at the review for, for the penalty kick call? Oh my goodness. So we couldn't get a review for the PK, but we're going to get one for if Jamon Barkley spit, which he did. So we'll see. This is not a red card offense or anything like that, but back and forth between the, the sides. So we'll, we'll take a spit break here. Uh, they reviewed it and moved on. As we do on the highlight portion here to the second half, and the Bulls just blitzed the net at the beginning. With the first five shots in the first five minutes, after getting five all first half told, it was really exciting to watch. And still, the first shot for the other side almost made it 2 0. Bulls would break even, though. Here's how the second half began. DeAnjo sends it across and headed away beautifully by Scargill, but still back out. Kirk's gonna have a go. That's a blast of a shot and what a save by Horrocks. That was a ripper. That was a heck of a first shot and a great save by Horrocks. Barkley from the left side on this corner kick. That's a dandy and headed into the net. That was a Afolabi of and it had been coming and the Bulls have tied it up. Barkley with a tremendous ball and Afolabi took charge there man would corner kicks be a story in this game what a moment and the bulls were even and about three minutes later they almost went ahead on what would have been an astonishing goal Barkley will go not far post Scargill heads it down and a volley just off the right post rebound saved I think that was Checho with the volley and dynamite effort. Bulls were putting some stuff on goal, that's for sure. That does not count as a save because it hit the post, but Leo Stritter, the goalie for Charlotte, who had not had to make more than three saves all year, had to make five last night. But you knew Charlotte was going to keep going. Neither team wanted it to be one-to-one. Bulls, listen, they're not going to make the NCAA tournament without winning the conference tournament, but you want to improve your standing in the conference and make sure you make the conference tournament. And Charlotte didn't want to lose because it would hurt their chances at an NCAA tournament type of bid so it came down to the end and there were fouls in this game i think one foul sort of set the tone for the final minute that charlotte was going to be the one that got a last chance and they took advantage here's how it went down so oh, thompson blows a tire there and now with a minute to go spengler's going to get called for a card quickly I and mean, you had to do that And now the referee will probably stop the clock with 59 seconds to go this is going to be a free kick opportunity spengler Rode the player hard off the ball. There was no doubt that was a yellow card. Bulls have got to watch out here. This will probably be the last chance of the game for Charlotte, but it's going to be a good one. Bulls scored a last-second goal with two seconds left to beat the 49ers last year in the regular season, 2-1. to one. I'm sure Charlotte's thinking would... Love to pull off the same thing here. A lot of dancing in the top of the box. A lot of pushing going on. Janjo wants to get in there. There's a ball to the top of the box. Excellent, and rising to head it is Fife. But Charlotte still has it on Morales. A backwards pass, and Charlotte wants a penalty there. And the player's rolling around, and he pops up. Ha! Bulls have got to be staunch here to keep this a tie. Sent in by Kirk, that's dangerous, and it is in. And that is going to be a goal. At the death, with 16 seconds left, Horrocks felt he, there was a foul that didn't get called. And Charlotte's gonna win this game. And that's the ball game. So not quite a last second loss, but it feels like it. Now there's some pushing going on after the game, and it's not stopping. Scargle needs to get out. Bulls have got to re- extricate themselves from this situation. This is right in front of me, Neonjo. And you got some players playing peacekeeper, but not many right now. So definitely an emotional game, more the winning goal is one of the guys that's keeping the peace. But there's a lot of pushing and shoving going on, and it hasn't stopped. There were a lot of players on that Charlotte team, even though they brought in some transfers, that were on the field when the Bulls walked it off at their place last year. And, of course, the Bulls ended their season last year, so you could get the emotional reaction got a little out of hand, and afterwards, there were a lot of Charlotte players that were keeping the peace. In fact, you had a few Bulls, led by Ajmer Spengler, actually shaking hands, but it was not a full handshake situation, and some Charlotte players, not all. And from what I heard afterwards, a team manager doing a lot of hooting and hollering and not shutting up after the victory, that was an important one for the 49ers. As for the actual goal got to give them credit. It's technically not legal. You're not supposed to be able to back into the other team's goalkeeper, but it was very subtle. Nianjo just stepped back a couple spots. Horrocks was behind him, therefore couldn't get to the ball. And guess where the ball was perfectly delivered right to Nianjo and it just sort of hit him and was an easy tap in from there. Probably should have been disallowed, but it was kind of like the first goal, a close call that could have gone either way and Just didn't go the Bulls' way. So the Bulls knocked out of the top six with FAU beating UAB last night. However, the top three in the conference are the three teams that the Bulls have lost to in league play. FIU stays in first place, coming back from down 2-0 against SMU last night. So the Panthers have 13 points, SMU with 10. Charlotte now in second place with 12. As I said, they played the tougher teams. Now they go up against a one-win Temple team and a zero-win UAB team in their next two games. Win those, and you're in good shape to make the conference tournament. But the loss last night takes them out of the running probably for that top three. If you're in fourth place, you get to host a conference tournament game. And so that's, I think, the best the Bulls can hope for at this time. We'll be hoping for the best for both men's and women's golf. The men are at home, really the only home event that you can check out Monday and Tuesday at the Southern Hills Golf Club In Brooksville, 14 teams in the field, plenty from the state of Florida. FAU, Stetson, FAMI, mostly Southern squads with Delaware and George Mason mixed in. And the women will be playing against a conference foe and a really good one, by the way. Tulsa just outside the top 50. Bulls actually are the highest ranked team in the Dale McNamara Invitational, taking place in technically Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, but that's really Tulsa. Bulls ranked 30th. Colorado State also a top 50 team. Tulsa is just a tick outside the top 50, as is another conference opponent, UTSA. In both cases, 36 holes on Monday, 18 on Tuesday, and we'll recap it for you on Wednesday's Bulls beat. But that's going to wrap up the Monday show. I'm Derek Sharp.